do, 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 do. Yeah, there we are. So now, so what we're talking about is what is most important. So the, where I want to start today is with a non-rhetorical question, okay? And that is, what is the most important thing for the church? Now, I don't want you to get spiritual here and overly spiritual thinking that you're going to impress me. This is a real question. I want you to answer the question with words. So I want to ask you, what is the most important thing? Sorry, I need, I need you. I don't know me. Pardon me? Community. Okay, yeah, sure. That's a good answer. Anybody else got anything? Glorify God. Glorify God. Okay, yeah, sure. So, so, so we've got community, we've got worship, you know, to, in a vague sense, but, 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 but definitely glorifying God. Anything else? Yes. Okay, that's a good thing to do. What? People. Okay, sure. Those are all good answers, right? Closeness to God. Okay, yeah. You guys have all been listening to me for like the last five years or so, but, but don't be afraid to say something that you think is here that we don't have, right? Really great children's ministry? Is that one of the things, right? Like, is that one of the most important things? There, I think it's really important. There's all sorts of things that churches get about, and, and, and all of those things are good, but I think it's important for us to recognize what is at the heart of what we've been called to do and what the Bible says, which is the most important thing for us to do, and that is love. We can have community, we can, we can work towards glorifying God, we can, have, we can make disciples, we can, we, can, we can care about people, we can do all of these things, but love needs to be the foundation for every single thing that we do. And that seems really basic, it's, and I can get you all sitting there going like, like, well, of course, love, yeah, right, we get it, you know, like, of course, love, why would we? But it's important for us to remember this over and over again, we could, because we have such a tendency to forget, we see this. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, where, where Paul is talking to the church, and he says at the end of 12 and the beginning of 13, he says, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, this is beautiful poetry. This is probably the most beautiful words that Paul ever wrote. And because it's so beautiful, that's why we most often hear these words at weddings. That's the context in which we often most hear, the, uh, hear this passage as two people come together in marriage. But that's not what Paul is talking about. And I'm going to make a very... Uh, possibly controversial, but, but very biblical statement, is that Paul cares about marriage and family much less than he cares about the church. And, and in Paul's mind, marriage exists to serve people in their participation in the church. The church does not exist to uphold the institution of marriage. Paul is not talking about marriage. He's talking about church and what churches do. And he's asking the very important question, what is most important for us? What is the most important thing that the people of God do? And they were having an argument about, about what's, who's most important in the church. Is the person who stands up here with a microphone and talks? Is it somebody who plays music? Is it somebody who organizes everything? Who is the most important thing in the church? What is the most important set of gifts? And Paul approaches it this way, that he says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith 
by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to uh, still another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. So he's talking about churches and the individual's who, what, what churches and individuals sometimes do is we, we compare, uh, oh, sorry, I read my own sentence wrong. Okay, so it's interesting the way that Paul does this because what he's doing is he's outlining in his mind the things that churches and individuals do within the context of a church. And, and, and I want you to think about this for a little while uh, because at some point, not today, we're going to go through that and compare that to our expectations of the church. But what's really important here is that this is all the stuff that people do when they were arguing about what was most important. Is the person who preaches the word most important? Is the person who organizes the most important? Is the person who is in charge of the miracle working department most important? And he says this, that all of these things are important. All of these things are incredibly important and necessary, but in the midst of this, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. That all of our miracle working, all of our speaking in tongues, all of our messages and prophecy and, and all of our messages of wisdom, all of those things become irrelevant if we do not have love. All of our care for the poor, all of our, of our steadfastness to the message of the word, all of, all of the things that we do, all of our buildings and the maintenance that we do, all of those things become irrelevant and stop mattering if we lose sight of love. Love for God, love for neighbor, and love for each other. If we lose sight of love, if we allow what we do to become more primary than the love that we have for God and the love that we have for neighbor, then all of a sudden we become a car alarm. Or a resounding gong and a banging cymbal. Remember when car, I'm old enough to remember when car alarms first began rolling out. And the purpose of the car alarm was that if somebody started stealing your car, you would hear the loud, wah, 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 and everybody would go, there's a car being stolen, I'm going to intervene because this is a serious situation. Now, what do you think when you hear a car alarm? You think what everybody thinks. You think somebody's annoying car alarm is going off. I wish they would stop that. It's a noise that used to mean something. It used to mean something important. And now, because it is no longer connected to that thing, it's just a loud, annoying noise that no one pays attention to anymore. And Jesus says to us through Paul, this is the danger that we have. That if we lose sight of love, all of the stuff that we do becomes irrelevant and we just become a loud, annoying car alarm. And a noise that means nothing. And this should be a concern for us. Because we know, both through Scripture and history, that this is a major danger for the church. We see this in Revelations 1, where John talks to the churches so John receives the revelation of Jesus, and these are the words of Jesus spoken through John to the church in, in, in Ephesus. And this is what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds 
I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. This is something that we should be concerned about because the church that he describes is a very good conservative evangelical church. They do things. They have hard work and perseverance. They do not tolerate sin. They don't call sin not sin. They have standards for how people are going to be, uh, ought to behave as followers of Jesus. They do not tolerate wicked people. They do not tolerate false teaching. They, 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 they go out of their way to ensure that those who are preaching the word of God are actually preaching the word of God. They, they're, they're a discerning people, and they've put up with all of the nastiness and all of the opposition that comes with having standards for what people teach and how they ought to behave. This is a very solid, theologically evangelical church, and what does God say to them? You've lost your first love. And if you don't get it back, I'm going to remove the lampstand from you, which makes you the church that you were intended to be from the beginning. It's not enough. And it's very easy to get into the business of focusing on what we're doing and what we're working towards and what we're working for and to like this church and all the things that we're fighting against and in the midst of this lose, lose track of what and whom we're fighting for very easy for us to lose our first love. And if we lose our first love, we become a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. We are a car alarm that no one pays attention to. We don't just know this from, from Scripture, we also know this from history as well, that this has happened over and 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 over again within the church. From, 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 in, from in 1054, when the church split over whether or not Jesus and, and God were of like substance or of same substance that split the Eastern and Western church, which was really about whether the capital of the world should be Rome or Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> Sorry. From the Medici popes of the Middle Ages who were more focused on getting the riches of Europe and shoving them into their own pockets than of, than of using the power that the church had for, for others, to, to Calvin, John Calvin, the great theologian, trying to institute the kingdom of God in the city of Geneva and burning people at the stake for believing a slightly different version of the gospel than he did, to, to the Roman Catholics that imprisoned William Tyndale because he had the audacity to try and translate the Bible into a language that people actually spoke and read, to the Anglican church in the 1800s banning preaching out of doors because how could God possibly ordain out of doors? The southern churches in the United States over the last hundred years enforcing segregation and preaching from the pulpits that segregation should take place and, and lest we get on our high horse too high, the Canadian churches which participated and enabled the residential school system that, that did so much damage to the, to the indigenous peoples of our country to even now contemporary churches that become more about communicating truth that people like 
than communicating truth that actually transforms and changes lives. This happens. This happens in hardcore evangelical and theologically pure churches. This happens in the leftist churches that have abandoned the gospel of Christ altogether. We lose our way, and it is very easy to lose our way, and it is very easy to find ourselves irrelevant and very far from what God intended us to be. We ought to be concerned. This isn't just a problem for other churches. This isn't just a problem for historical churches. This is a problem for all churches. And we ought to make sure that we are sticking to our first love, that love is the foundation for all of our worship, for all of our glorifying God, for all of our working among people, for all of our making disciples, all of the community, all of the things that we do need to to explicitly have love for God and love for neighbor as the foundation or they are going to go astray. That's what happens. So what do we do in the midst of this? How do we do this? Well, I think Paul shows us the way because even after he speaks in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about how they ought to follow this way and, and, and spends almost 10 chapters diagramming issues and conflicts that the church is having. This is what he says in conclusion in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Remember the primary good news that I gave to you at the beginning, and this is how he describes it. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter and then to the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. He, Paul repeats the message that is going to keep them from losing their way, and he says, God intervened in the world. Hold that in your hearts and in your minds that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, 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 and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God intervened in the world and died. And that started a massive story that we individually are part of. And that story changes me. That is the good news that we carry. And this good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only son ought to produce in us love for the world as well, that we live sacrificially, that we that we that because God so loved us that we love what he loved and in turn love our neighbors as ourselves. That is what we are about. And we need to remind ourselves of this over and over and over again because it's so easy to lose our way and to lose sight of the humility that Paul has that we have within us. Last of all, he appeared to me also as, as one abnormally born. We forget, the great, Paul remembers, sorry, the great gift that was given to him. He said, I didn't deserve this. This didn't come to me because of my own righteousness, but look what happened to me and look at how my life changed. This is the news that we have as well. We need to remember how our lives have changed because of what God has done in us. So when we talk about good church 
and bad church. This is incredibly important for us to remember that love is the foundation and what makes the difference between good and bad church. Because the reality is, we are human beings and a gathering of human beings, and because we are human beings, we are going to make mistakes. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make wrong judgments. We're gonna have plans that go awry. There are things in us that are just gonna go wrong. But if love is at our hearts, they're going to be a very different kind of mistakes than if love is not at the center of what we do. The distinguishing factor between a good church and a bad church is not theology, nor is it programming, nor is it, is, it, is it whether or not they've got enough money in the bank to pay for the buildings. The foundational difference between, a, or whether or not they make mistakes, the foundational difference between a good church and a bad church is love for God and love for neighbor at the core of what they do. No matter what else happens, we need to ensure that that happens in us as well. Let's pray, God. God, we don't want to be those who have lost our first love. We don't want to be led astray. We don't want to be so concerned about the problems of this world that we lose sight of you and what you're doing. We don't want to be so frustrated and angry at what is happening around us that, 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 we, that we begin to be fighters instead of lovers of the world and lovers of you. We, we, we don't want to be people who are lost. We don't want to be people who are so focused on our own desires and wants that, that, that we lose our way. We don't want to become a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, God. The message that you have given us is, is too great to be drowned out by our own desires and our own our own frustrations and our own anger and our own fear. So God, we ask that you fill us with your love. Remind us again how great a gift you've given to us individually. Bind us together so that we truly love one another because of what you have done and help us to, to, to demonstrate and communicate your love to this world in a way that transforms this world. Because we know we live in a city that desperately needs to hear your good news. And we know that your good news changes people. So show us how to, to, to be a part of you changing the world because of what you've done. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>